January 15, 2024, so off for Pedro's show. for Pedro Shaw. Happy Monday. It's a January. Start off John Coltrane with a private jam in Detroit. Just an excerpt. 1958. I think Joe Brazil, who ended up, you know, found in his attic that tape of Love Supreme live in Seattle. I think he's on the flute on Ohm. A penny whistle or something. Anyway, after that, Jay Wilms featuring Ikrasi on the piano with Interruptions number one. I guess it wasn't the only interruption. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me Jeremy Wells. Welcome aboard, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Absolute. Right off the bat, we give credit for the connect. Howard Wolfen. Howard Wolf. Right, right. right. Okay. I want to learn about your journey through music. Very interesting stuff you sent me. So let's try to go all the way back. Your earliest musical recollection, please, Jeremy. Uh, my dad's nylon string guitar in his office. 
and uh, probably like a, a Paul Simon record. Maybe it was Simon and Garfunkel or something like that on the turntable. I don't know how old I was, but it was in the outskirts of Miami in the in the seventies. So, I'm assuming the pad you grew up in, there was at least one musical instrument, or was that guitar always stay in your pops' office? He he was a you know he was an amateur musician through college, uh, high school and college. He had a band like a uh, instrumental kind of surf rock band in in Jersey in the fifties. Um, and, uh, and so, but he didn't pursue it as a career. He was, he didn't have enough, uh, confidence. Um, so, uh, there were, there were several guitars around. My sister played piano for a while or knock around on the piano. Took there was a piano there then too. See, the, the point is why I asked you, I mean, very interesting about your father's nine career, but I was wondering if you jumped on any of that shit. Always. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first record, Jeremy, you bought with your own money? Um, I'm pretty sure it was Foreigner 4. And what was the LP. first gig you saw? The first gig I saw and that I remember, my dad took me to a lot of stuff, but I remember seeing George Benson at the Sunrise Amphitheater in Miami. Maybe I was six or something like that. I don't know. It was the Breezin', Breezin tour. Let me ask you about school. Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? None of it. None okay. of it. I don't It's like a huge gap. When I was in high school, there was a really subpar jazz band in my high school, and I played I played guitar and bass in that for a couple of years, but that was it. Now, had, had you already started trying the guitar? Did you take lessons? Yeah, well, I started by just going to my dad's room and picking it up and sure. trying to like right. make it sound like something. And then when we moved to Atlanta, when I was 12, I took some uh, rudimentary bass. I wanted to play bass. So Whoa! I took some what yeah, was that about? What was that about? I, I don't know. I think I knew that if I was... No, I'm way into it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, think, I think I thought if I was ever going to work at it, I needed to play bass, not guitar. Okay, and you were a young man still. That's you were, yeah, earlier than what with that. I didn't know what the fuck. About. Well, you know, Arena Rock, it, sort of like that George Benson gig. They probably were really tiny, right? It's hard to tell what a bass was. Looks like a oh, guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't know it really meant lower. First gig <laughs> I saw was T Rex. Me and D Boom were fifteen years old. Wow. Where they taped those Don Kirsten's Long Beach Auditorium. They tore it down for the Long Beach Opera House. But uh, some of that around, if you see uh, Don Kirsten. He's the guy who invented the monkeys, right? Oh, uh, right, but, right. But anyway, not to get off the point. So what was your first bass? Uh, I think I had some kind of Japanese, like, West Tone or something like that, you know? It was like, or, or like a Hondo or one of those things that was popping around in the 80s. When, and and when, did you uh, take lessons how, or did you try copying stuff off records? I mean, how'd you get into learning? I, I took a few lessons. My dad showed me some stuff and then I, and none of it stuck. I was terrible. And then um, I just kind of batted around on it until I was 14 and met some other kids that were, uh, you know, the metalheads in my local high school that were. I was going to ask you about that, like after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon, the bedroom band, garage band, basement band. 
all of it, all yeah, of it. Right. Yeah, man. And basically, I didn't know what I was doing, but I saw what they were doing, and they didn't know much more than me. And I was like, oh, I, as, as soon as I saw someone doing it, it kind of clicked. Okay. And it was probably at the drummer's house, right? It was at the drummer's house. At first, it was the it was just guitars, two guitarists and me, and then it always wound up being at the drummer's house in the basement for sure. Ryan Armstrong was his name. I'll never forget that dude. Whoa. I lived next to a dude <laughs> yeah. in the Navy housing here when I came, Pedro from Virginia. He was David Armstrong. <laughs> and I go, won't man. forget him either. You know, it's been many years, but I can remember. He used to like hawk loogies all the time. In fact, he'd come visit you. You'd have to have the front hatch open because he'd be fucking spitting all the time. <laughs> and he didn't awesome. chew tobacco or anything. He just liked spitting. Clear nice his throat or some shit. Great personality trait to be known for. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, bass man from Atlanta just came to mind. Jeff Pincus. Oh, I don't wait, who is that? Talk but, to me. Butthole Surfers. Oh, oh I mean oh. they had several bass players, but he was right, right. probably he's the guy the hairway to Steven Cat on the cover. Okay, right, right, right. Okay. Eyeballs yeah. and the weird kind of pig, pigtail. Uh okay, so did this band first off the material, were you trying to copy songs off records like me and D Bone? Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. were doing it was pro probably not nowhere near as as cool as anything you or D Boone ever did, but we were doing you know We were, we were pretty doing, terrible. Yeah, we were doing like a whole lot of love. A lot a whole lot of love for like forty five minutes over and over again, you know. Yeah, we and, did uh, that with American Woman. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh um, man. Like hours at a time. Oh the same yeah. part over and over. Oh my god. Exact exactly. I remember you know, one time because it was at D. Boone's pad, and it was in the Proj, with the older Proj. I was in the newer Proj. I had to move out of the Navy housing. But the next-door neighbor lady said to D. Boone's ma, how can you handle that noise? And she goes, well, at least I know where my son is. Yeah, So man. that's where we figured, ah, oh, he kind of child care. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Perfect. she wanted us to have a band. There's no career move, especially hey, for man. 1970. That's okay, brilliant. okay, so does this, uh, does this band ever write anything? Does it ever play a gig? We kind we kind of played a gig. I can't remember if it was the original drummer. There was another drummer whose first name was Brett, who I can't remember, who was actually a good drummer that came in. And then we got a name, and we got a singer who was older. And that's when we shifted more into like U uh, two and kind of maybe some early REM covers and stuff like that. And we played one gig um, that we rented a community center in a in a public park. And we played with another band in the suburbs that was a way more like interesting, cool punk band called Dead Fish, and <laughs> and they were a little bit older than us. And basically, it was supposed to be you know like kids with some you know parent supervisions. There were no parents, and there was lots of underage drinking, and we got busted by the cops. Oh man, <laughs> that was the first gig, and maybe the I think we maybe played one other gig after that. Okay. <laughs> and what was the name of the band? The name of the band was Pink Camouflage. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, so Pink Cam, you would even with the hombres busting everybody. Was that a gig? Uh, first one a success? I it was a success for me because yeah. it, it like I was still I think I was fourteen. Everyone was older than me. I was like the young the youngest kid, and I think I switched to guitar by then. Because I got better at guitar quicker than everybody else. I could actually play the, like, you know, melodies or whatever, like the, the higher guitar parts, not just the power chords. And um, 
Yeah, so it was a success success for me because it turned me on. That was it. I knew, like, after that first gig, you know, I knew that that was it for me. I was uh, in. Beautiful. <laughs> was you in. gave me this tune here, Double Double. Let's listen.
Pedro Shot Chunky Music start off Jeremy Wilms doing double double. After that, Plaza, brand new. The real Mr. Hot Dog. Real in parentheses, people. For emphasis. Or maybe kind of subtle. Yeah. Urinals after that. This is from uh, on the 5th. What's that? About 10 days ago. Got to play with them in their version of Little Johnny Jewel at the Smell downtown. Jim's uh, 26. Anniversary for that path. And, uh, yeah, a lot of old friends there. Word and Tears after that with Cloud of Dust, New York City. Uh, Credo, April 22nd, 22. 2022, sorry. With uh, Padre. You know, your, your eyes, what? Restro. Ungodly, brand new. Crip, Sturbia. Dialogue. This is live at the Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble New Music Fest 2023, Day 3, composed by Heather Gilligan, performed by the Eugene Difficult Musical Music Ensemble. Cube after that with At Large, Thomas Prendon, Heavy Metal Microphone, Cheer Accident, Death Hot, Finally Ray Shin, no, not finally. Ration words, words in edgewise. Then finally, Jay Wilms, not Jeremy Wilms, people, Jay Wilms, with Langerice? I think that's right. Yeah, looks like a little German there. Okay, uh, so 
you say this band only lasted two gigs. Where does your music uh, journey lead you? Yeah, so um, at that point, I, you know, I was, uh, that's when I kind of got serious about maybe learning something. And so I sought out a, a real teacher. And uh, yeah, I just, I started to learn uh, how to read music, a little more about chords, a little more about, you know, melodies and all that kind of stuff and decided I wanted to study music. So I kind of um, introverted like a little bit from the time I was, maybe 16 to 18 or 19 and just kind of did because I had a lot of catching up to do I felt you know I felt like I, I I felt like I had sort of skipped a lot of stuff in my you know in my in my opinion yeah yeah so you had to seek knowledge exactly right and uh does that besides you know, going to a teacher and learning stuff like theory and stuff. Did you get in some more bands? I eventually got in some bands once I got into college. Um, and I was, well, I was, a, I was in a couple, actually, I, I backtrack on that. Even in that time, I was in a couple bands. I had switched high schools a bunch and I got in a couple bands in uh, the suburban town that I was in. Um, one was, uh, one was kind of like a, uh, a sort of straight edge punk band that I didn't make it in. I wasn't punk enough uh, or straight edge enough. I'm not sure what I wasn't, but I wasn't something. And they wound up going on and having some regional success. They were called Active Faith. They were from my uh, my. Oh, high I remember school. those cats. Yeah, and so the singer in that band was this guy Robbie. The original singer is a guy Robbie Fuller from my high school. This awesome guy, San Jose races like vintage Datsuns and restores them nowadays like one of the coolest cats ever you know just, wow. just yeah he's the best man and uh he he and I had he and I and one other guy had kind of like a sort of folk punk duo where we did sort of like Bob Dylan covers but like a more aggressively and then also they, he wrote a lot of poetry and lyrics and that was called No Marching Parades very earnest a very earnest and sincere band. You know who's um, been doing acoustic punk is Kevin Seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I need to check that out. You know, and Billy Bragg for a long time from England. I mean, this yeah. idea that punk's got to be one thing—it's kind of crazy. Like, like you were saying, not straight edge or no, you know, because like the bottom line is no coercion, right? Anarchy, but yeah, maybe it's too hard to do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think I, it was, I mean, when I, you know, when I was getting into it, like the Minutemen and Meat Puppets and all that, Husker Du, all that stuff was like, every band was totally different, you know? That was the idea, I, right? Yeah, that was the idea. And then, you know, even by the time I was getting out of high school, that it, there became sort of a, like a little bit more of like a codified thing. Although in Atlanta, there were a lot of weirdos doing awesome stuff. Well, hopefully there time. always is. But Jeremy, man, Always remember when you're thinking about this kind of stuff. Pat Boone sold more Tutti Fruities than Little Richard. I mean, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> like that was in the '50s, right? So it ain't really a new thing of humans uh, co-opting things and, and and then other humans being like herd animals and yeah. It just the, but you know what a farmer would tell you: if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I say, bring it, motherfuckers. Okay, okay, so. You, you were doing this stuff, and then did you go to a music college, or did you take some music classes out of college? I went to I went to State University, Georgia State, and I took I did major in music ultimately, and I I 
kind of minored in psychology. Uh, probably should have done it the other way around career-wise, but, you know, it is working out in some way. But, uh, yeah, so I studied, um, you know, I, I, I studied at Georgia State, did kind of the jazz studies thing down there. Uh, it was just starting out at that time because that was sort of a new thing, like jazz in school. Um Got super disillusioned, dropped out for a little while. Got you know what? That school had a good radio station, though, right? It has RAS. Yeah. Uh, 88, 88.5. I, I like, I also I'm talking about in the old days more. I remember the, they let the Minutemen play for a couple hours when we were doing some gigs with REM at the Fox Theater. Yep. I think I saw you guys there. <laughs> stars <laughs> in the overhead. Well, lights, but they look like stars in the overhead, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's still it's still there. Still, still looks the same. I remember one oh. night we did like because they did um, a Creedence song, and you know, one that Dee Boone, the only rock band he knew, was Creedence. So we did five of them, and like four or five different managers yelled at us, and don't you ever do that again? <laughs> they ended up firing all those guys and shit. But they were we we had no idea about they were very cool people, but the organization around them was real bunch of ugh. I don't oh, understand man. why the movement came about. But I, I just remember, yeah, uh, John at the station, and they're very cool people. You know, REM was responsible for kind of getting punk on the college radio because before them, it was people wanting to be like, you know, corporate pond. You know, I'd call up for SST, and they'd be playing like what you saw, Journey. That's yeah. <laughs> so they're playing at the college station, you know, and then... Uh, things changed around with when REM started coming around. So uh, you dropped out of school, but but you're still. Do what were you doing music wise, band wise? So that, at that point, I started. I kind of had a couple of bands of my own with people that I'd met. In oh wow, your own band. Okay, so you write yeah. material. Yeah, I was writing material that was kind of like again a sort of edgier kind of take on jazz at that point, like trying to put a like a kind of a little bit of a rougher edge on it. And then I fell in with a with a group that was sort of doing that in maybe even a more aggressive way called gold sparkle band, which is kind of a, um, they're still sort of around, uh, they've kind of scattered, but they were like, a, a like Ornette meets, you know, I don't know the Melvins or something. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so it was like kind of like free jazz, like trumpet, saxophone, electric bass. I think they had two saxes at the beginning and a really explosive drummer um, who's also in a band called The Melts down here, which is a great, great, uh, heavy, heavy band back in the day. And, um, yeah, so I kind of fell in with them. And then we started with that band was kind of where I got to where I was, like, playing in different places more, like do my first kind of taste with touring and, you know, um, and that kind of thing uh, it was with the Gold, Spar Gold Sparkle Band. And Were they big um, tours or like regional? Well, but we would do, it was all East Coast stuff. So okay. we would like drive around to like, you know, Nashville, Knoxville, maybe Memphis, uh, maybe hit some kind of small place in Alabama or something, like go down to Savannah, that kind of thing. But then we would also like fly up to New York and then go like New York, Boston, Philly kind of, Vibe maybe DC I think I ninety five tour. What's that? Yeah, I ninety five tour. A hundred percent I ninety five. Right. <clears throat> so it was like that was that was the that was the gist of that band. But through that is when I kind of made a few more connections up in New York, and, and you know kind of broadened my horizons and stopped being in the practice room 
Yeah, well, people ask me about the old days. I say it was about people. And I say, hey, new days are about people, too. It's always going to be, I think. So the connects, I think, are important. Like you said, it got you out of the prac room. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, really interesting. And especially New York City, because a lot of people, they're from somewhere else. They come there. It's a magnet just drawing people that's got energy to get shit going. Yeah, man. A hundred. Yeah, I was just talking about that with someone's like it's, it's very positive and it can also be very overwhelming. Yeah, well, yeah, stops. absolutely. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> living there, but there there is something special about it that's different. Uh, Jeremy, we're at the first hour, end of the first okay. hour, January fifteenth, twenty twenty four. Dish watch Pedro show special guest Jeremy Wills. Hold tight for hour two. January 15, 2024, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pete Rose Show.
Look so many things through the years, through my tears, through the years that I went and opened my eyes. You were my idea, heaven with open arms. Now that I found myself this once, I think it is best we build a little nest. Yes, it's best, hear the rest. I've overlooked so many things through the years, through my tears, through the years that I went and opened my eyes. You were my idea, heaven with open arms. Now that I found myself this once, Stop and think of the things I really couldn't do until I met you. Please, Daddy, listen to my plea. Understand my love and you will find it true love. I want you to know just how I feel right from the start. Hope that you feel the same. I've never had the slightest doubt and hope I never will. I pray our love will blossom with each thrill. I hope you feel the same. Oh, please, Daddy, don't let me linger. Open up your soul, open up your heart to me alone Then I know I'll find a way to complain I love you, the thoughts of you You're the only one I've wanted since I have met you And I need you every moment, darling Stay by my side I know I'm meant to find true love, dear I vow you'll never leave me once I have you I'll never know the song of bluebird sings When he's lonely, well It had to be, can't you see I did used to wonder You could love me, tell me, do you? For it is true, dear, there's no other but you. There I went and said it all over again. The way you made me love you, it's a sin, but what can I do?
so many things through the years Through my tears, through the years Then I went over my eyes You were my idea of heaven with open arms Now that I found myself this once I think that it is best We've been running on this Yes, it's best Hit the rest up But look so many things through the years Through my tears, through the years Then I went over my eyes You were my idea of heaven with open arms Now that I found myself this once
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Chin Chin, Gigi, and the boys. It's the two. Ben Salter out of Tasmania after that with Blackwater Brigands. Tony Oxley, great drummer man, adventurous. We lost him, but he's playing all the way up all his years. Composition number one. Julie Christian with Billy's Bounce after that. Barry Stott, man in the growing gloom. And finally, Denton Boiler. No, Baller, I'm sorry. Or Bowler, probably. That's right. Dan Bowler with blue and green. So, you know, Chin Chin. In Italy, that's how you like cheers, right? When you're doing a toast. But that's oh, right. Chin Chin in Japan, it's fucking katsu. It's a dick. <laughs> you got it. Ah, <laughs> oh, you know, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. that's, that's hence the name of that band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, great, great. So, so uh, where do these cats come? How's this in the uh, Jeremy Wilms timeline? Oh yeah, okay. So those are that's like <clears throat> after uh, after you know co- my college thing down here and a little bit of hanging out and playing. I, I went to New York, and first some of the very first people I met were these two brothers, uh, Torbett Wilder Schwartz, and they had this band Chin Chin, and they kind of like enlisted me to uh, play bass in it actually. And so we put a few records out and did uh, had some. Had some success in uh, the Netherlands and France, of all places. Overseas, so, so you start playing overseas. And, and are you using that same bass, that Hondo? Oh, no, no, no. By that time, I think I bought the floor model, like, uh, Manny's Music, like, $400. 48th Street. Yeah. No, that $400. shit's gone now, Jeremy. It's all gone. I know. It's sad, man. It's sadness. Um yeah, I bought the floor model uh, Fender Jazz bass, the just the one that had been beaten to crap sure. by everybody, and I still have it. I, and I dragged it on tour for many years without a case because I didn't have enough money to buy a good case, so I would just carry it in whatever car I was in kind of <laughs> vibe. Um, but, yeah, so that band, we did, we did that, and, and uh, I think that, that was like the second or third record. And uh, Now, it's like you join in a band, or did you write for them? We were like I we they kind of like oh you collaborated yeah they kind of enlisted me and I became part of the band they were already going but they had had you know they were at the beginning and had some people coming and going and and I kind of came in and uh, Tata Hirano who's a guy that was in I think he was in Chibamato for a while and yeah maybe Blonde Redhead too he was playing guitar um, there's an Italian Japan cross thing. Exactly, exactly. They and all two brothers, like, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they all met, I think that band all met in like a class, they, they had to, to get a visa, they all had to take like a, you know, like a foreign language, like English as a foreign language class or something, so they could all have a visa, and that's how, that's, oh, that's wow. the legend I heard. Yeah, that's the legend I heard. That's how Interesting. it got And yeah. what about this D- Danton Bowler? Dan Bowler is Bowler, a, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bowler, he's a you know, top call New York kind of jazz bass player, but he does all kinds of stuff. And this is uh, so off and on. He and I have been, you know, first we just were friends, not even playing. Yeah, how'd you meet him? Um, I met him through a guy named Nick Demopoulos, who's uh, uh, also known as Smomid. He's kind of like an instrument maker, like crazy, crazy, another crazy New York cat. And uh, I was like playing, summing for Danton on Nick's, 
gigs. And then Danton and I just became friends without ever playing music. And then eventually Danton sort of helped me out on some jobs that I had where I needed a bass player. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we just became, you know, we became very good friends and play music together. And, you know, he's in a different, like the guy was like in Roy Hargrove's band. He's like in a But you know what? Plane. I, I got to say, Jeremy, I, I, this is my hope. We get to the point where music's music and fuck this genre shit. Exactly. It's like, exactly. It, well, you know, chow, do we really get particular? It's either tasting good or it ain't. What do we, you know, I'm the, I only eat this kind of rice or some shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. It's a marketing scam, man. Right? Us guys doing it, we, we learn that music is music. So why can't you be doing different kind of styles and learning from other cats? Amen, man. Amen to that. Yeah, I don't yeah, mean man. to get on the soapbox, but damn, I get pissed. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, this, guy, this guy, though, that, yeah, so he, he made a record, and I just wanted to have it played out there because it's, it's some of the most, like, talking about exactly about that, like, yeah, it's probably in a bin somewhere as a jazz record, but if you listen to that tune, it's like not really. I mean, it's just something else. It's just music that he's making. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's how that's how you know that's how I know him. I've known him for. You know, you gave me this uh, tune here, Las Horas, uh, Christina Rosenvinger. Yeah. Uh huh. Let's play it.
better than it looks Judged by its cover, it'll often be mistook I'll start tomorrow to write a book In the meantime, I'm still here Watch the hands of fate Pedro Show and Chunky Music Star with Christina Rosenvinger with Las Aras and then Sunken Lanes. Graham out of England with his new project. Adre. Super nice guys out of Berlin. Mas on bass. Great bass man. Number nine's the tune. Reg Bloor. Uh, used to be uh, Glenn Bronca partner. In fact, she uh, kind of put the whole thing together, the, the Symphony 13 I was part of. And uh, I think she's playing in SoCal soon. And this is uh, from her new record. And uh, a soft little tune called <laughs> Explosive Fragmentation. <laughs> J.D. Pincus and Tall Tall Trees. He lives in uh, North Carolina now and in the West part. And, this is, and he's playing banjo. You know, started off on banjo and became a good bass was Chris Kirkwood, uh, Meat Puppets. Yeah. E.Y.'s Demise is the name of the tune. And finally, Jay Wilms, I'll Start Tomorrow. First, I got to ask, is there a difference between Jay Wilms and Jeremy Wilms? 
Yeah, it's a total debacle, and kids don't do this. I like try to separate all the uh, instrumental stuff I do from the songwriter stuff, and, and once you do that on the evil bit major platforms, Spotify, blah blah blah. Like on Bandcamp, it's all together, but on the on the big evil places, it's like separated, and you can't you can't kind of undone what you did at that point. So. <laughs> So Jay Wilms is kind of like the songwriter stuff, and Jeremy Wilms is more of the like instrumental kind of experimental. Okay, stuff. thank you for getting that clear with me. Now, uh, hit me to Christina. Yeah, um, so uh, again in New York, met Christina Rosen. They actually met Christina through Steve Shelley, which ah, oh, drummer man. Yeah, drummer man. Um, which I, you know, and a quick aside, while on tour with Christina, one time I met you. We were staying in the same hotel, you know, face to face met you uh, at the Primavera Festival in Barcelona. I don't remember. Oh, wow. Okay. Early 2000s. I was helping the Stooges. Yes, you were. And I saw that and it was good. Well, well done. Very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, man. I love those cats. Yeah, man. much. Um, much. But, okay, so you met her there. I met her in New York. She, uh, they were kind of doing the thing that Steve was doing with his label, where he had a bunch of different singers. Oh, like, smells like records. Smells like yeah. And so um, we did this thing where there was a tour. He had like three or four different singers, I think four, and uh, and the and Steve and I were like the bass and drum rhythm section for all of them. So we did like you know probably a year's worth of touring. With that, and then Christina and I really like uh, connected on some songwriter stuff. So that song, Las Horas, is uh, collaboration. Like I, I might have, I don't even remember. I think Steve's playing on it. I, I know at least for one demo, I made, I played all the instruments and sent it to her, and she wrote. But then I think we re-recorded it. So I think that version is is a you know is like a band version, not not a one dude in a room. Now, uh, actually, Steve Shelley crossed the river in Hoboken, but. I did yes. record with them when they had Sonic. Uh, you've had that Murray Street studio with Mr. Yeah. Rourke. And, oh yeah, I was, I was tune, around. I was around. Okay, this tune that I got asked to do was a Jim Joyce tune, and I wrote, I wrote it as a waltz in three four. And I don't think Sonic Youth did a lot of waltzes because it took Steve Shelley about two hundred and fifty takes, but he didn't give up, even though Jim O'Rourke was about to pop. <laughs> But it came out real good. I love. I, I just love the way Steve Shelley was like. You know what? I'm gonna get this. Yeah. Okay. The roles are coming out too short or too long, and because I, I don't have much practice with this, but I'm not gonna let it get me, and I'm gonna keep at it. And I just. It was like you know trying to pull away the chew toy from the puppy, you know. And but Jim O'Rourke, I could see the steam coming out the ears. <laughs> I, I, I know of which you speak because I, I was a fly on the wall in that studio quite a bit at that time. <laughs> yeah, this so was I, in summer. It was all sweaty and shit. Yeah, but man. it turned out yeah. really good. Really yeah. good. It was way worth the effort. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta have a little patience. Jeremy, we're at the end of the second hour, January fifteenth, twenty twenty four edition Wap Peter Show. Special guest, Jeremy Wilms. Hold time for our three. January fifteenth, twenty twenty four. It's the third hour of the Wap for Pedro show. Been traveling along. Dusty highway, not knowing where to go. Then I came upon you, you were going my way, but you didn't really know. 
made love to the most beautiful of all lonely women in the world like a dream it seems so real and like a fire it burned like a story Find out how it ends Like a dream that dies waiting to be born You know it may not come again
lot from Pedro Show. We start off the third hour. Jeremy Wilms doing all the roads. And there's a lot of them, people. Then we had Asher Gehrig Morrison with What Hope Do We Have? Probably should have a question mark, huh? This is from this uh, benefit compilation. Welcome to Gaza. Walter Campbell did something for it, too. Pledge Allegiance. Then finally, Tim Flosian with uh, what? You know, he was on the show, and he, two, $2 guitar, right, with Steve Shelley. God, small world. <laughs> yep, that, no, that's that's my Howard connection, is through Tim. Okay. Tim's really good people. I, he, I was on the show, it was just beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, great and, dude. And I got to play some, I mean, no bass, but I'll cut him some slack. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were a good band. I think that was probably... Steve Shelley's first band after being a Sonic Youther, the new guy, right, for 25 years. Before that, I, he was a crucifuck in uh, Midland, Michigan or something? That's Midland. correct, which is also where Tim is from. They've ne- they knew That's right, that was the connect. And, yeah. yep. and that's why uh, the, what was it called, Velvet Goldmine thing with Ronnie. That's why they asked Steve to be the drummer, because he was Michigan like Ronnie. Yep. Yeah, you got a trip. So, what's your connect with this? Too are you playing the bass on this, Steve? Uh, on the on what that which once. tune? Once. So um, I'm I did the I am playing bass and I also did the string arrangement on the string all the string writing on there. I, I wrote all that for for his record for Tim's record. Uh huh. And like all the roads. Now this would be your singer songwriter. That's correct. Persona? Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, like you said, uh, hopefully all that stuff dissolves and, uh, you know, it can just be like this is another aspect of the same thing, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, Bob Dylan. He had this Rolling Thunder review. He had Mick Ronson in that band with Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Papa John Creech. I mean, Whoever could get up there, right? You know, and then yeah. he's reworking these songs where he was man alone mode. Why not? Right. right? Yeah. Singing the choruses all in the wrong places to fuck up the gig goers. Big, big, big Dallas. So at, at this period, so you're kind of a utility man, uh, helping people out. Yeah, that period in New York. So we're talking like you know late mid mid late nineties going into uh, early two thousands. Like uh, yeah, man, just kind of you know what I'm doing. I'm like where I'll take as many anyone that'll have me. I'm there because I do not want to uh, continue to you know be a weed delivery guy in Manhattan anymore, you know, which was my, which was my quote unquote straight job at the time. So, uh, yeah. So I was like, get me out of the organized crime world (laughs) and into, (laughs) and into the disorganized music world. Yeah. Right. Right. That was what was good. That was the, the, that was the thing that was happening. So, me. as far as like Jeremy Wilms stuff, it was only singer song. Right, whenever you got electric or something, it was helping somebody else. Yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, I was doing. I was. I was also just kind of making weird uh, kind of instrumentals, sort of, you know, like weird instrumental records on my own as well. You know, well, and I was always, can I ask how you recorded them? Did, did you have something going on at the pad where you were living? Yeah, I did a lot of. I had, you know, I had a like. I think it was my first computer ever was some kind of like Mac G three or G four tower, and I had like a uh, 
DigiDesign 001, you know, the like maybe two preamp interface or something that you run ran Pro Tools off of at that time. So um, you would just stack doing, up tracks, right? What's that? Stack up tracks, you know, because you can only tracks. go two, two at a time, right? Yeah, I mean, I went from a four track cassette uh, recorder that I had and carried with me to New York. Like I got it when I was like fourteen or fifteen. I went from that to you know a computer and was just like, oh my god, there's so much I can do now, um, you know. And, and so I was I was making a lot of kind of weird stuff on my own that didn't. Some of which saw the light of day eventually, and some of which didn't. And then uh, you know eventually. I got into kind of like a more quote unquote pro pro gear situation you know eventually you gave me this tune here dog whistle let's listen
station over in the corner of 14th Street by the Louis Bridge Leaf Turbo. <laughs> it's actually written for the guy that owned it and he doesn't own it anymore.
Off for Pedro's show, last music for this edition. Start to chunk off a dog whistle from Rossi Waters Wills. And we had Brian and Goblins doing American Brutality. Eugene Chadbourne. The Shreve. And finally, Cave Paintings featuring King Mono with Bouncy 3. Enlighten us to uh, Cave Paintings, King Mono, Rossi, Waters. I know a little about Wilms. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, uh, let's go with Rossi, Waters, Wilms first. So Mick Rossi is a piano player. Um probably at this point most known for he played he was one of philip glass's guys for like forever you know um but he's a freak man he's such a crazy awesome musician and um you know he's playing drums on that recording and charles waters is the saxophone player from the gold sparkle band which i mentioned at the beginning that was like kind of the group i was in in atlanta and those guys both are in new york and before i left new york in 2019 we did a live recording at uh at uh wfmu and so that's from that great station jersey city jersey city all right strong bro and then Um, cave paintings cave paintings is a sort of duo i have like a production duo i have with uh torbett schwartz who's from that band chinchin that i mentioned Um, yeah but more known recently he's kind of gone on to have a pretty decent production career he did uh you know, the all four Run the Jewels, which is a killer Mike LP record. He's yeah. a co-producer on all that. He makes beats. He produces stuff for a lot of great people. We're we're trying to um, we're trying to put a record out this year that's a sort of like uh, you know long form kind of open instrumental stonery jam. Is that stuff. your current jam right now? That's kind of what um. That's one of a bunch of things I'm trying to pump out this year this year i'm trying to like over overcompensate for a like generally kind of dismal three years of production on my end you well, know well, tell me about some other stuff um yeah so um i'm working on uh i'm actually working on some film music my wife is a filmmaker and i'm working with the contemporary chamber ensemble at university of georgia they're all like doctoral students in performance athens um, you know when you said you were touring around Regionally, you didn't mention Athens. I left it out. That was an, a glaring <laughs> omission, but that was definitely one of the places, you know. Yeah, um, of course. But yeah, yeah, I'm going up there and I'm I'm writing some music for that ensemble. They're gonna they're gonna play. They're amazing. It's like kind of chamber chamberish music, but yeah. you know, keeping it weird and and it's uh, connected obviously to images from a film. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I'm I'm gonna re-release a record I put out in in 2014 it's like a 10-year thing that's like a a instrumental kind of guitar-based record called diamond people so i'm remixing that stuff and i'm gonna pump it out and then i got a um i'm gonna make a companion record to the fighter which is the record that's out now um that's sort of uh it's like in the same group of songs but more along more like inspired by uh, jj kale's record naturally like very specific kind of um vibe that i'm going for it so yeah man i got like four or five things i'm trying to get done this year well can i put out an invite when these things come out because we're running out of time here but and and they're not out yet anyway but when they do come out will you come back on the show we can play the stuff and talk about 
Absolutely. I would love to, man. Oh, that, would, that would be great. Bitchin'. So no pressure on you. Just when it's ready, just let me know and you come back on. I like the way you, you, you know, music is an adventure for you. And so it's not all like rerun rock, you know, like I Love Lucy show or, you know, it's mayonnaise <laughs> or pizza. Like you get into these different things and, and learn from these different people and put yourself in situations. It's really interesting, really inspiring, Jeremy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, right back. And, uh, you know, any uh, to me, a great thing a music cat can do for another music cat is get them happy over music. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Right? It's like, wow, <laughs> he's it. doing that? I want to do that. That's why Double Nickels happened, because Huskers did uh, Zen Arcade, you know? Right, right. Two of my uh, two iconic informative records for me for sure but man. i mean it wouldn't have happened without somebody lighting a fire into the other cat's ass you know it's trippy about that so thank you so much let's keep on keeping on okay I can't wait to have you man. back on people it's january 15 2024 dish what pedo should keep your powder dry